Welcome to the Codcast, Commonwealth Magazine's weekly podcast of politics and policy, where we talk with the people that uh, are intimately involved in it. Uh, my name is Jack Sullivan. I'm a reporter with Commonwealth Magazine. And today we're talking about pot, legal weed. It's on its way. Um, it may be sooner or maybe later. We're not sure, but it's coming. And with us today, we have Scott Moskell, an attorney with Burns and Levinson, who is somewhat of an expert on uh, marijuana. Uh, Burns and Levinson uh, represents several nonprofits that are in the medical marijuana uh, business, and uh, Scott is very familiar with the uh, regulatory framework. Uh, Scott, thank you for coming. Well, thank you for uh, inviting me. Not a problem. That's what we're here for. Um, started off, Scott, how did you, I mean, Burns and Levinson is one of the biggest uh, law firms, one of the most respected law firms in Massachusetts and probably all of the Northeast. How did you and how did your firm get involved in this? Well, uh, this is actually a funny story, or at least I find it funny. I love funny stories. <laughs> so, um, in about 2011, I started doing some work for a small private equity fund. And my day job, I do a lot of corporate restructuring. And they had certain uh, investments with various companies actually out in California. And so I was working them out for the uh, fund manager. And, you know, we, get, we had a good rapport. And he, every so often, I would go down to his office in Rhode Island and we would um, go over the, the, uh, the uh, um, credits that I was working on. So we're done with the meeting and he says to me, well, what do you know about pot? <laughs> and I said, well, I mean, <laughs> I went to college. So um, to make we're the- all experts in that area. I, I guess. But to make the long story short, or perhaps you should say too late, as most people do to me, um, to make the long story short, he was involved with a group that had uh, obtained one of the three uh, medical marijuana licenses in Rhode Island. And he knew that I did a lot of corporate work as well as restructuring. And he liked the rapport that we had. So I got involved that way. And primarily beginning with a capital raise for him as he raised money, uh, sort of a B round for um, his venture. And then from there, we started developing relationships. Myself and uh, the chair of our um, corporate group, is also co-chair of this cannabis business group, Frank Siegel. And we talked with the firm. George Levinson has a cannabis business group? We actually have formed a cannabis business group, yes. Wow. So, so I spoke, we spoke to the firm and we said, listen, there's, there's money to be made here. Um, these folks need good corporate lawyers who understand the, the, uh, the regulations, but also the science of growing pot and, and retail and whatnot. And the firm put their you know, backing with us and we've kind of grown and expanded. Well, I'll follow up on his question. What do you know about pot? Well, um, I actually... And how did you find it out? So uh, I work with a group in Rhode Island. Well, I work with multiple groups, but uh, primarily one in particular called Summit. And Summit uh, is a medical marijuana dispensary, and they also have a cultivation center. And I've been involved on their management team as, as part of being the lawyer as well. And in the process... You know, you learn things, right? You you go on tours and and you ask questions, and you like I, I know that it takes ninety days for usually for a cycle to of pot to grow of, of the cannabis leaves. 
Um, I know that there's how, you know, you have to dry it and then trim it and all the processes. Um, I've learned a lot about really the science, you know, even the fact that you can grow, and this, this surprised me, you can grow pot with very, very low THC, but high C- CBD content. And so as a- CBD being a cannabinoid? Yes. Right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and and um, so you can add, there's strains of pot that you can smoke that will not make you high, but will have other effects like for pain relief, um, may help you know, with nausea. So, you know, pot is not just a drug, a recreational drug. It has real medicinal value. Not your father's marijuana anymore. No, 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 not at all. It's and not like the old days when, you know, it'd be Colombian or Sensimeo or things like that. It, it sounds like there is much more of a scientific approach. Right, and people are developing genetic strains. Um, there's been some attempts to... Um, patent these strains, and that that's proven difficult. And I'm sure we'll talk about this. But pot or marijuana, even medicinal marijuana, is illegal federally. And you patent the, the patents are a byproduct of federal law. So you are not. So you can go and apply for a patent on a particular strain. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to obtain one from the USPTO or U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Uh, Setting aside the legal aspect of it and, and, and your approach to it and, you know, from the fact that you are a representative and, and, and you represent uh, medical marijuana facilities, from a personal standpoint, does it do, do you have to have any investment in it? And I don't mean monetarily investment in it, but do you have to have a, um, a view that, you know, marijuana is benign, that marijuana is helpful, that marijuana uh, should be legal? Or, or is it just an approach that, you know, it's legal, I'm a lawyer, I'll represent it? Well, I, I think there's two approaches. So, so one approach is um, lawyers are like any other consultant. You know, we make money and we look for the newest area. Um, this is an area we could uh, represent various uh, vendors, various dispensaries, and make money and do a very good job of our legal representation. So, so yeah, it, to a certain extent, you could just say, well, this is just like any other business. Like we're representing farmers or representing retail uh, operators. But on a more what I call social justice basis, so I have Crohn's, and um, marijuana is used frequently to help folks who are sufferers of Crohn's disease, and Crohn's disease being an inflammation of your um, uh, intestines or digestive tract, essentially. In fact, just yesterday, an NFL player was... um, Suspended for 10 games, he has severe Crohn's and he was using marijuana to help deal with the pain and or nausea. And the NFL, while you can get an exception for Adderall or opiates, you cannot get an exception for marijuana, even though potentially um, you can't get high from the strain that he uh, might have chosen. Does, does that play into, for instance, you talked about um, going into the uh, person who's now the head of your cannabis uh, division, do you go to a partner in your firm and say, you know, I have this really um, personal drive to to back something like this? Do you need to have that kind of a fervor, that kind of a, uh, um, <clears throat> for lack of a better word, passion in order to... Uh, I, I think maybe the better word is vision. 
right? So, so a firm, a law firm, yes, we, we try to represent to the best of our abilities, but law firms are businesses and we need to make money. So if, you know, as much as I wanted to do this, if we weren't generating decent fees and if we did not see a pathway that we can expand our corporate clients or our corporate practice, I don't know if necessarily our law firm, or Burns and Levinson, would have said, yes, go ahead, spend time, go, um, we'll, we'll give you all this money to for marketing purposes and attending various conferences, for instance. Um, then, then let's take a look at um, the area that you have been involved in, which at this point has been medical marijuana because we haven't had legal sure. marijuana in this area. But how will it be different from what's going to be happening? From the We just passed question four in Massachusetts, Correct. the initiative. It may or may not get changed at the legislature, uh, by the legislature, but it is coming. When we look at um, the, the structure for legal marijuana, what are the differences between that and medical marijuana? Well, you know, I think one of the problems is that we really don't know what the process will be to obtain a license or permit or permission to sell marijuana for recreational purposes. Right now, we know that there is a process. If, if you want to obtain marijuana for specific medicinal purposes, there's a process to, uh, you have to get a, a specific uh, letter from your, from your doctor and you apply and you get a specific card that allows you to go to uh, dispensaries in Massachusetts and obtain uh, specific forms, uh, varieties of uh, cannabis products that should help you with your symptoms. You know, one of the big things, you know, here in Massachusetts, we do allow marijuana to be prescribed for pain, for instance. Every state, so there's about 29 states right now that permit medicinal marijuana use and sale. Every state has their own list of conditions or qualifying conditions that they will allow a prescription for. Some states will not provide for instance, a prescription for just severe pain. Massachusetts does, and you know I think that's visionary because there's so many folks, especially in our area, who use or began using uh, opiates of some sort for pain, where you know you hurt your back or a sports injury, and then we've all seen the opiate epidemic in Massachusetts. Um, I think personally that cannabis is so much better as a product to help folks deal with pain. There there are um, people on uh, Beacon Hill who have been opposed to question four because of, specifically because of the opioid crisis. Sure. That this would exacerbate it. And and that is going to have an impact on how this has changed and what's going to be available, where it's going to be available. Some of the things that the legal... Um, marijuana that, that the initiative has that they're talking about changing are um, in the bill uh, in the initiative that was passed. Um, cities and towns are presumed to allow it, and they can o- they have to opt out. There's talk about it being an opt in, correct? Um, it, you know, changing it around. Do you think that will happen? And do you, and what are the what are the pros and cons of either? So I I do think. Um, it will become a uh, system where communities can opt in as opposed to opt out. Um, it 
right now the bill as presently uh, written and passed provides that if if a town does not want to participate or a municipality does not want to participate, they have to go to some form of referendum and or they can limit the number of recreational licenses to 20%, I believe, of the number of liquor licenses that they provide. And and I just think that's, that's unwieldy. Um, also... We, you think it's unwieldy as it's written? I think it's un, yes. I, th- I think that's unwieldy as it's written. Here and here's the reason why. Um, are you going to have in two years from now uh, millions of dollars being spent town by town uh, that could uh, for pro or anti marijuana you know usage or permission to have a recreational dispensary in that town? I mean that's. We, we saw what happened with this question four, and granted, it was money, I think, well spent, but I think on a town-by-town basis, that's not – I'd rather see towns, if they're really – and if the people are really that opposed to it, be able to opt out uh, of the system and because it's not like you can't, just can't go to the neighboring town. Um, have you – you have been – to other t- states uh, and talk to other states. Um, what do you see in the frameworks that they have um, in, in how it compares with what we have here? What are, what are, the, what are the upsides? What are the downsides? Well, well again, I, I, I think it's very difficult I, to, to make that comparison. And the reason is I, I, I would, you know, I'll make a $100 bet right now that the bill as presently written will have major revisions to it. I mean, one thing we already know, for instance, is that lawmakers are concerned that the tax or tariff on recreational marijuana is relatively low in comparison to Colorado and other states out west that have recreational. So I think the total right now, including a 2% kicker to the town where the dispensary is located, is about 12%, give or take. In Colorado, it's 25%. And then in Washington, Oregon, I forget the exact numbers, but you're talking about a 35 to 40% tariff um, or additional tax, which obviously makes the marijuana a little bit more expensive in uh, comparison to uh, medicinal. Uh, we, I, I just don't believe that the bill as presently written is going to um, survive intact 100%. I think there's a lot in there that will survive, but I, I don't know or I don't believe we know what the legislature's legislator is going to do with respect to the actual procedure. How many are going to be allowed? I mean, how many per city or what do you have to demonstrate in order to receive an actual license to sell recreational? Now, I know right now it says that if nothing gets passed, then on January 1st, 2018, medicinal dispensaries can start selling their... Uh, their uh, Not just can- dispensaries, but applicants as well, right? Pen- those that have a provisional uh, license right, or, right, or right. pending but, application. But assuming by that point, if, I mean, if they have a provisional by now, um, you have a year basically to get to a final. So right. assuming... You know, a year from now, if you have a provisional, you should be up and running, knock on wood. One, one question. Um, we recently had a story um, at Commonwealth about uh, 
the conflict between federal and state, and you, you broached this a little earlier. Um, at the federal level, marijuana is still a Schedule One drug. Correct. Um, and as a Schedule One drug, it is deemed not to have any proven medicinal uh, value um, and also uh, is um, subject to being highly abused. Correct. Um, Allegedly. <laughs> right. Well, but that's what a Schedule One yes, drug yes, is. Yes, yes, so, it's it's classified the same thing as heroin, for instance. Right. So so with that, there there are a lot of um, regulations that prevent um, banking from from using it because it's considered you know uh, money laundering. Any any profits you get from the sale of a Schedule One drug is illegal. The Obama administration had issued uh, guidances that uh, basically said if you adhere to these strict guidelines. Um, there is a an avenue for banks to uh, participate, and, you know, to accept these um, uh, deposits. Not everybody has done that. that in that's correct. Right, that's Massachusetts correct. is the only one that we can find is Century Bank. That is, there are a few credit unions here and there, but they're taking one or two one-offs. But definitely, Century is the uh, whatever eight hundred pound gorilla here. So, so what's the difference then? For in, for instance, in uh, Washington State. Just about any marijuana-related business is able to get a banking. Uh, well, I don't know if that's account. actually true. I mean, I know a lot of them have found banking solutions with credit unions, but I don't believe there's a similar type institution like Century um, that uh, has you know opened its doors wide open. I guess, I guess that's what I'm saying is that th that there is at least an avenue for them to deposit their money. They're not. They're not going to have to stuff it under mattress, sure. you know. But um, there's lots of there's lots of folks who are cultivators or whatnot that are sitting on tens of millions of dollars of of cash uh, in vaults, growing moldy because they could not put them into a bank, and they can't. And there's no real avenue for them to put into the system right now. So, so what's going to happen then when um, uh, Donald Trump? Go, gets into office. His attorney general is Jeff Sessions, who's yes. been on the record to be opposed to uh, legal marijuana. What happens if they rescind the so-called Cole Memorandum, which is uh, um, the guidance from the sure. uh, Department of Justice that allows it, and the Treasury Department rescinds the um, uh, Bank Secrecy Act uh, guidance that also says that you know as long as you file these uh, reports, you know there, there's not going to be a concern there. Where is that money going to go? So let let me uh, let me answer your question in a roundabout way, if you don't mind. Um, so I was at the cannabis uh, National Cannabis Business Conference uh, the week of November fourteenth. I so want to talk about and, that. And, and but this is this is the interesting thing. So this was really on the forefront of everyone in the sense that well, what's going to happen? Donald, you know, Donald Trump had just been elected. Where are we going? And the general consensus was that. You know, Donald Trump is a business person. You know, 29 states have this. It's, you know, making millions of dollars, tax revenue. Um, and Donald Trump has said he's a state rights advocate, so federalistic concepts. And so we all thought, okay, that's great. You know, there's always gonna, there was always some risk because you just never know. But we thought that more or less the system wouldn't change. So that was up till Thursday. 
Um, between Thursday and Friday, Donald Trump nominated uh, Jeff Sessions as his attorney general. And you could feel the difference in the air or the atmosphere from Thursday to Friday. I mean, Thursday, people were excited about the industry. Friday, people were very excited about the industry, too. But there was the sense of concern. What will Jeff Sessions do? What can he do? And I think those are questions that still plague us. So I, I think, and I, I've done some reading, and yes, Jeff Sessions is very much anti-marijuana. Um, but at the same token, Jeff Sessions has always been a very strong supporter of state rights. So where does he go from there? We've talked to folks who have, uh, my firm has talked to folks who have strong connections to the Trump uh, team, the Trump administration. Um, and our understanding right now is this, that Sessions is more concerned with immigration. And that is going to be his primary focus, you know, day one, year one. And most likely, while nothing is going to improve the situation, meaning, you know, the Trump administration is not going to all of a sudden deschedule uh, cannabis, they do not believe, at least initially, that Jeff Sessions will target, you know, state-sanctioned medicinal licensed uh, dispensaries and cultivation facilities. But, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Well, I was just, you know, just uh, as um, a, a notice when, when you uh, talk about uh, there being very big supporters of state rights, just to point out, the seven states now that have uh, legal marijuana all voted against Trump. So uh, That's interesting. That's uh, <laughs> Maine. I'm, I'm doing the math in my head here. Maine, Massachusetts, Just Nevada, Nevada um, California, Colorado, Colorado. California, Washington, Oregon. Alaska. Uh, there we go. There's Alaska one. There's the one. one. So well, they'll be allowed to keep it. <laughs> well, what's, what's also interesting, so uh, obviously uh, the last few years it's been a Republican-controlled House. And just – you know, basic politics. Uh, the House uh, is in charge of the budget and spending. The last couple of years, uh, there's been for every for the budget, there's been an amendment that's been introduced by a Democrat and a Republican, and it's the Roar Barker Amendment or something like that. And essentially, and which has been approved by the Republican House, which says that not 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 Obama administration, but the Republicans that says that. You, um, when we're passing this spending bill, money should not be used to target state-sanctioned medicinal dispensaries. So as long as you're in compliance with local state law, uh, the money that's going to justice or DA or whatever should not be used to go after uh, dispensaries. And, and in fact, um, a case of a month or two ago, uh, there were about five or six raids in California, and the court basically said listen, you don't have the right to go after these folks unless they have, you've proven they have broken state law uh, in terms of, you know, they didn't comply with their licensure or whatnot. So I have a little bit of hope in respect that you have had a traditionally Republican, you know, House passing amendments that prevented, um, you know, justice, Department of Justice or whatnot going after state-sanctioned uh, medicinal dispensaries. Now, I'm recreational. I, I would. I think that's going to be entirely 
different story up in the air. I, I don't even want to, I can't even conjecture. But I think on the medicinal level, I, I do 100% think that while things won't improve necessarily in the next year or two, I don't think they're going to be drastically different. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I keep no, talking. Right. <laughs> um, I just I want to talk to you uh, real quickly about this conference that you were out Sure. At. Um, was it, it, it was it a cloud of smoke hanging over the hall? No, no. This, so, so this is interesting. So I went last year as well. And last year there was certainly a good number of folks passing along, you know, uh, joints or whatever at, at the cocktail party, tie-dye jeans. Um, there were maybe, I would say, 20% of the folks were in, you know, either a suit or a jacket. This year, it was entirely different. Um, and, and many people commented on this when we were talking. So I would say at least 50% of the folks at this conference were in ties or, or suits or, or sports jackets. And there was a lot more what I'll call Wall Street money in here. So it wasn't just, you know, the previous years have been more of a sole proprietor, little person type, you know, movement. Now, certainly, Wall Street has realized, or, or folks in that Wall Street world have realized there's significant money here, and they are moving now. They're, they're seizing those opportunities because you have to get in on the ground floor or else you're not going to make the returns. And I think that was quite surprising to me. I, I go to a lot of banking-type conferences. I couldn't tell the difference. Really? <laughs> Well, uh, we could probably talk about this for another half hour, 45 I probably minutes, could, so, too. <laughs> so we'll probably uh, set it up for another time. That'd be great. Um, I want to thank uh, Scott Moskal from uh, Burns & Levinson for uh, coming over. Scott, thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, this has been uh, the Codcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You can uh, um, subscribe to us uh, on uh, SoundCloud or on iTunes. Um, or you can subscribe to the daily download and it'll be delivered into your inbox on Fridays. My name is Jack Sullivan. Uh, come on back next week. Thank you. I was gonna clean my room until I got high. <laughs> I was gonna get up and find the broom, but then I got high. My room is still messed up. And I know why, why, man? Yeah, cause I got high, because I got high, because I got high. I was gonna go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Check it out. I could have cheated.